Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of How We Girl with Kombe Kapatamoyo. In this episode, I will be talking to Sandy Heron, a very exceptional lady hailing from Jamaica and currently residing in Japan. Sandy is an author who writes about her experiences as a Jamaican in Japan and also about stories around the world. She has been featured on various platforms such as Buzz Caribbean. Sandy has written various books such as Journey into the Unknown and her latest work is Traveler's Notebook for Life in Japan. Please join me in conversation with Sandy Heron as we dive deeper into what growth means to her. As always, many thanks to Waterboy for the music. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Kombi. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk to you and your book. I haven't read it yet, but I've seen the synopsis, the summary of the book, and it's very good. I'm very intrigued to hear your thoughts on like the growth that you have um, you have seen in yourself. So the title of this book is Journey into the Unknown. Finding the Courage to Move from Where You Are to Where God Wants You to Be. And you had it published in 2020, August 2020. And I'm just really excited to hear your story. So tell me, what does growth mean to you? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, For me, growth means becoming a better version of myself at different stages of my life. So it's being a better person than I was last year or 10 years ago. And by better, I mean in terms of my perspective, how do I look at things? And also, how do I respond to the different situations that I face? So if I find that I'm able to respond more positively, um, if the things that triggered me some years ago no longer do, then I consider myself to have evolved. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I like that. Ten years ago, ten minutes ago. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, you know, just to Don't see the difference. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that from, from what I get is you are not afraid of change. And you are currently living in Japan, which is a totally different culture from Jamaica where you grew up. What really prompted this move to Japan? Okay, it's a it's a strange story, and it's what I wrote about in the book, really. Um, I was living in Jamaica all of my life, and um, I started praying, Kombe, to God, asking him about my purpose and about my destiny. You know, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go in terms of my career, in terms of my love life, mm. uh, in terms of the different things that you want me to focus on? what should I do? I prayed about it. I fasted. And I say it's an interesting story because I started having a series of dreams. Mm. And one of the dreams that I had, I actually saw myself in Japan. I started seeing myself in Asian countries, in Thailand, in Cambodia, in Japan. And so I started doing research and through praying, that Mm. is what led me to apply for a teaching position in Japan and then I just moved here. So how has it been like moving to another country where you don't uh, fluently speak the language? 
Oh my goodness. I mean, where I am at the better side of things right now because I am finishing my third year. So it's better now. I know the konnichiwa. <laughs> I know how to get my way around and I'm, I've learned about the culture. But at first it was very different for me. I had to jump many, many hurdles. And, you know, I had a lot of adjusting, a lot of adapting to do to get used to the culture. Mm-hmm. I like that you you spoke about, you know, being adaptive and also like preparing before um, making the move. Like you're prepared to to see where your next move would be by praying and, you know, being very intentional about what you want to do. So what has been the hardest part about moving with all this preparation, with all this insight through your prayer and fasting? What has been the hardest part about moving to Japan? Okay, so the hardest part, I would say, it's my first year. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult for me because when I moved to Japan, the reality did not meet my expectations. Mm-hmm. So before I moved, remember I told you I was praying, I was fasting. And a lot of times when God leads us into something, we expect that when we get there, it's going to be this whole fanfare. It's going to be so glorious. Mm -hmm. And so here I was moving from Jamaica to Japan and I thought, okay, well, the Lord must be sending me there to go into ministry. And so I thought I was going to meet some Christian group or something and I was going to be a motivational speaker, (laughs) help to convert people to the Lord and all these things. And when I moved to Japan, Kombe, I moved to live in a very small town in the rural area. I was the only Black person there. There were hardly any foreigners. And and I didn't know the language and people couldn't speak to me. And so those first couple of months was a period of stillness and of isolation. And I had never experienced it so extreme before of just being by myself. And so a lot of things that I thought I had overcame in Jamaica that I thought, you know, I had conquered, Mm -hmm. they started popping up again, again, Mm -hmm. things mentally, emotionally, even spiritually, Mm -hmm. I had to go through that process again. And so that was a very tough year for me and I had to fight my way through it. Mm -hmm. I like that you've talked about stillness, that you were you're faced with this very unfamiliar situation. And in 2020, we have, as on a global scale, we have gone through a time of stillness where we've mm-hmm. had to face this, this COVID virus and, you know, not seeing our friends and losing some, you know, family and friends and the like. I would like you to dive more into stillness. What did you do in those times uh, when you had to stay still? and learn more about the culture, but also learn about yourself, what would you say, what advice would you give to people who are finding it very difficult to be still? Okay, that's a good question. One of the things that I questioned a lot when I moved and when I was going through that period of stillness, like I was just asking God, like, why am I here? Why am I here? What is this all about? And I wanted so many answers. A lot of times when God takes us through that period of stillness, one, we don't understand it. And two, we want answers right away. One of the things that I learned is just that you just have to go through 
you just have to go through. You just have to accept it because a lot of the answers that I was seeking at that time, they didn't really develop or come until maybe my second or my third year when I under, when I started to understand the process that I had to go through and how very important that period of silence was for me. And when the period of stillness has a lot to do with, with separation, God moves us away from the noise, moves us away from our friends, moves, moves us away from our family. And we don't always get it right away that it's to provide us with clarity. And also it's to move us into that new level or that new stage that we spoke about in the beginning, really to help us to grow. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I, I guess that's like the biggest lesson that you learned, you know, from coming to, I mean, coming from a place that you're familiar with and, you know, getting to a place where you, you need to learn and you need to be still and you need to listen more. But again, you're bombarded with, uh, like you mentioned before, we are triggered uh, by everything that you have seen in the past um, or you have known to be familiar I, I like that you you talked about that, but going to the cultures, what would you say has been the biggest difference between Jamaican culture and Japanese culture? Okay, well, in my culture, I am used to people being a little bit more expressive, not a little bit more, a lot more expressive. Like Jamaicans will talk everything that's on your mind. Um, <laughs> if you don't like something, you're not going to say that you like it. Um but in Japan, the culture is more polite. Um, there's tatamai where you don't say what you're thinking. And so I had to get accustomed to that, you know, learning to read the air. What's the vibe in this room? Someone can come to me and I can be wearing a dress. They may not, not particularly like the dress. In Jamaica, maybe in my workspace, my supervisor would say, hey, Sandy, I don't think that dress is appropriate. You won't necessarily hear that in Japan. They'll probably just say to me, uh, Sandy Sensei, uh, where did you get your dress? I <laughs> got <laughs> like a nice dress. And then it leaves you to wonder, okay, is this dress okay? <laughs> you know? yeah. So little, little things like that. Um, at first it was like, oh, I don't know. But I had to learn to navigate my way through those sorts of situations. Right. Awesome. So what's the, been the most surprising thing about Japanese culture? Like what has really shocked you? What has really shocked me? In my first year in particular, I had to get used to people staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing. That's not really the culture, but I mean, that's one thing that I was I was shocked because I had never been in a space before where I would go to the grocery store and kids and people would just be staring at me or or wanting to take pictures and stuff like that. So that was very shocking. Like, guys, at first it was like, oh, nice. But then afterwards, it's like, okay, you know, I'm I'm just trying to go to get bread. I just want to get bread and go back home. (laughs) So that was very shocking for me. Does this still happen to you where people stare at you and want to take pictures? Um, it happened not. I'm in Tokyo now. Okay. So in Tokyo, people are more used to seeing foreigners. But mm-hmm. for example, in November, in fall, I traveled to Kyoto. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a little bit more rural. And I had that experience. 
Right, right. So what, what do you miss the most about Jamaica? One, I miss Jamaican food. <laughs> I miss patty and jerk chicken and curry goat and oxtail. Yes, yeah. I, miss, I miss Jamaican food and I miss my friends and I miss my family. Yeah. Is it easy to source uh, like Jamaican food in Japan? Um, not necessarily. A lot of persons will get like a box from home, like a care package. Right. Um, goodies, but now with um with Corona, it's not so easy to get your packages in. So that's another thing you just have to learn to adapt. Cook your ramen, eat your sushi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, and speaking of food, what's been the best thing you've eaten in Japan? Like I would eat this for days. Okay. So I like ramen. Mm-hmm. I like soup and I like noodles and I like eggs. So putting all the Japanese people putting all of that together, giving me some ramen. Yeah. I love ramen. I could drink ramen, eat ramen every single day. Yeah. And and what mm-hmm. would you say has been like the most... Uh, intriguing you know like uh you'd say event because you've been there for three years now what has been the most intriguing event that you have seen like oh um or rather not really intriguing but a similar event that you have seen like oh we kind of do this a similar thing in Jamaica and it's it's very familiar to me it's very an event that's very familiar Mm, I can't think of anything right now that's familiar to home mm. um no maybe maybe like for example no <laughs> no no I can't think of anything that's that's really familiar to home yeah. <laughs> it's, so been it's, it's been very very different like they're totally different <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay I I'm very intrigued to hear what your experience has been in, in the sense of like what has been your lowest low uh while being abroad and being from home. I know you mentioned before like you, you felt very lonely and you had to be still, but what was your lowest? What has been your lowest low? So my lowest low is still I go back to the first year because mm-hmm. everything just happened in the first year. So my lowest low was when I got to that period in my first year when I just got very depressed. Mm. I I struggled so much with depression and anxiety. Mm. And it was the kind of depression that I don't think I had ever experienced that before. Mm. And it was scary for me just to be alone with all of my thoughts in a place where I did not have a lot of support. Right. And so I remember just being in like a small apartment Mm -hmm. in the rural area in Japan in my first year, knowing, knowing very few people, not having my family, not having my friends around and just not really knowing what to do. So that I remember that period specifically, that was a very low period for me. I like that you you've talked about you know depression and anxiety and these are some of the topics that you find especially uh you know black and brown people do not speak of a lot and also people in the diaspora you know uh, Africans black people um brown people in the diaspora they don't really talk about being depressed and most of the times um 
people from back home, like I'm from Zambia and you're from Jamaica, I presume it would be the same. Uh, my friends would not ask me how I am doing, like, how am I really doing? They would mm-hmm. see pictures on Instagram, you know, like I'm living lavishly and <laughs> they would presume, oh, she's doing great, you know? And so nobody ever talks about that. So have you um, ever experienced, you know, like, uh, I would say like have, having a support system from back home that, that has helped you uh, with depression and anxiety? Yeah, definitely. Like I, like shout out to my friends mm. and when you are separated, that's one of the things about separation. Like you really begin to realize the important people in your life, like the people who really care about you. Because I remember in that first year I withdrew. So I stopped posting on on social media because it it took too much energy for me just to be consuming so many things on a daily basis. Mm. And when when I withdrew from social media, there were a lot of persons who I was in contact with and they stopped reaching out. Mm. You know, they stopped saying hello. But then at that time, I had my core friends who would be like, Sandy, what's going on? Are you okay? I haven't heard from you. Video calling me, calling me, um, sending me Bible um, verses or sending me a song or a story. Just different things to lift my spirit. My sister would call me all the time. And that would help me to stay connected and to pull out of that dark place that I was in. Right. Right. So from all of this, just, you know, having that connection to people who care about you and whom you love uh, had really helped you and has really helped you make that transition and grow and just adapt to this unfamiliar space. So what has been the highest high for you being in Japan, being in a place that is not home, but is now home? The highest high, I would say, and this this is ironic, but it would be in last year, in 2020, in the midst of Rona. Oh, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> when I, my first book was published, yeah. and that was like a full circle moment for me. Because mm-hmm. remember I told you in my first year, when I moved to Japan, I had all these questions to God. I was like, Lord, what, what am I doing here? Why am I here? You know, what is the purpose? And then last year, he, he led me to write the book. And the book was really talking about me sharing my story about moving from Jamaica to live and work in Japan and also everything that I had to go through giving up my job at home leaving my friends leaving my family and everything that I had learned throughout that process right and so that was it's like everything like I went through this period of awakening where I started to understand and a lot of the answers that I was looking for, I, I got it at that time. And I was able to find peace. Mm. So that was a very high period when I was able to call my friends in the country. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, I got a book and they're like, oh, unto, Sandy San, book, book. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, everything just um, was just so peaceful and lovely. So that was a very high point. Nice. I'm so happy for you. I'm really, really proud of you. I, 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 I feel like, I feel like it's my myself 
or my child or somebody <laughs> who's done this exceptional thing, you know, because I feel like a lot of people would say, oh, I have this dream of writing a book. I have this dream of uh, writing this song or performing here or, you know, uh, getting this degree, but we never follow through. And yeah you know, coming from a place like, okay, I was struggling here. And then you actually pen that down and Mm -hmm. share it. That is very, very exceptional. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you too. (laughs) So everybody, please grab the book, Journey into the Unknown, Finding the Courage to Move from Where You Are to Where God Wants You to Be. And talking about moving from where you are to where you are uh, from where you were to where you are now, what advice would you give your younger self? What advice would I give that woman who was packing up everything into two pieces of luggage to move? <laughs> yes. Girl, relax. Enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say to her, girl, relax, enjoy the process. You are going on the ride of a lifetime. And also to manage my expectations, right. manage your expectations. Things may not and will not work out exactly like you expect. And that is okay. Mm. Enjoy the process. Trust the process. Mm. That's what I would say to her. But we always want to reach the destination. We want the destination. Why should I go through the process? <laughs> well, even I, I imagine like my future self would perhaps be saying the same thing to me right now. Because, I mean, after three years of living abroad, you start thinking about other things. So right. it's at, at every stage that we are, these questions, they come back. What do I do next? Mm. Where do I go? And so... It, would, it wouldn't be fair or it would be a lie for me to say to you that I have it all figured out because even as I'm here speaking to you, I do get bombarded by these questions right. now, especially finishing my, my third year in Japan and thinking about things like wanting to settle down and wanting to have a family. Mm-hmm. You start thinking about those things, right. you know, but again, a reminder to myself really to trust the process. Right. Right. I I bet those are some of the thoughts that you're having as you enter your fourth year. So are there any other thoughts that you have as you go forward? Yeah, I think for now, and I think many, many persons who live abroad, especially in places like Japan, many people, many Jamaicans, you start thinking, okay, you know, what am I going to do? What's next? Do Mm -hmm. I move to Canada? Do I try moving to the UK or do I return home? Right. So those are the main questions or, or do you remain in Japan? Um, So those are the questions that, that come at this point. Right. So Mm -hmm. what, what would you like to leave the audience with what is that nugget of wisdom <laughs> that you'd like to leave our listeners with um really actually the, the thought that's come into my mind is just that life is beautiful mm-hmm. and if we look for beautiful things we will find them um every single day even in the midst of all the challenges all the obstacles good things are still happening And sometimes in the midst of everything, we have to make that deliberate effort to zone in on the things that are good and the things that God, you know, is blessing us with. 
So yeah, that's just what I would want to leave them with, to enjoy, to trust the process and and relax, you know. <laughs> relax. Yeah. And your back peace. And peace, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for taking the time out and for navigating the time difference with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a trip. <laughs> I know it's been a trip, but finally we made it. Uh, thank you so much for, for this. And I'm just really grateful again that you you shared your story you know every journey is different and Mm -hmm. I I believe that you're sharing your your journey and people getting to hear what you have to say because everybody has a story to share and everybody can listen to a story um, and many other stories (laughs) We, we get to grow from that so thank you so much Sandy for this thank you for having me it's been an absolute pleasure I really mean that All right, everybody, that was Sandy Heron, an educator, film producer, content creator, book publishing consultant, and author. You can visit her work, such as her coverage on the Tokyo 2020 Olympics on YouTube, and also visit her Instagram using the handle at Sandy Heron on more updates on what she's up to. Her books are on platforms such as Amazon. Remember, stillness can bring forth growth. Thank you for listening to this conversation. So join me for more episodes on how we grow. Many thanks to Waterboy for the music. And before you leave, please remember to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And follow the podcast on social media at How We Grow Today. All right, go out there and experience your growth. You have been in conversation with me, Kombe Kapatamoyo, on How We Grow. Catch you later.